Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, and thank you so much for being part of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin show this evening. Great to be together, and uh, in spite of the fact that circumstances conspired to keep me away last week. I've, I've actually had more absences in, in just the last uh, month or two than, uh, than I'd had for years before. So this was really uh, not good, not, not, not part of my concept in the very slightest. But, uh, but that's what happened. And um, I am only pleased that, uh, that I am back with you all. And uh, we are here on W4CY or iHeartRadio, wherever you are. We're live. It's Thursday night. And uh, some folks, you're going to be listening on Sunday, and I'm grateful that you're listening then, even though it is not live. I try and uh, spend a little time in the chat room on Sunday mornings whenever I possibly can, either lurking or actively uh, engaging. But um, for those of us together here this evening, Thursday night, that is just terrific. Wonderful to be together. And uh, I want to start right off. I want to kick right off with um, something that well, let me let me put it this way. I, I gave a speech in Washington, D.C. last night, and then this morning I spoke for the uh, for the National Day of Prayer on Capitol Hill. So I spent uh, yesterday evening and the, and the first part of today in uh, the nation's capital. Uh, by the way, I, I got to tell you, um, the traffic in D.C. is totally out of control, totally out of control. But um, – uh, you know, why? 
you know, I I think I'll I think I know why. It's not because the license plates, the license plate in the Washington D.C. license plate now says taxation without representation. You know, again, this 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 notion that all of a sudden something that has been in place for <laughs> over two hundred years, all of a sudden is this is shocking. Like when you moved to live in Washington D.C., what exactly did you think? Right, it's the District of Columbia. It is not another state. It doesn't have representatives. Oh well, that's about to change. Um, does the Constitution actually mean anything at all? How about religious freedom? Well, a Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy will be the one to decide decide that. It'll the rest of the court will break down four and four, and there's a very uh, high probability that the integrity of the Constitution will hinge on one justice. Kennedy, and uh, that's a, a frail read to to depend on. But uh, why is the traffic so bad in DC? I think because um, it's 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 a city that is all about government. And what on earth makes me think that government has a clue of how to run the traffic flow of a city any better than it knows how to run the post office? Right. No, no, no reason to believe that at all. No reason whatsoever to expect the government to run a city like Washington D.C. any better than it runs anything else that it runs. Uh, so it's it's pretty bad. It really is. And uh, and here's the other thing: the number of administration officials who get w- motorcades, I think, is higher in this administration by by a large amount. Uh, than any previous administration in history. The the arrogance and the willingness to inconvenience the citizens of the city while they go from one place to another. It's not enough to go to, in one car. It's got to be five cars with a motorcycle. I mean, my goodness. W- what is this extended to, that assistant undersecretaries now also get motorcades? Wouldn't surprise me in the least, although that's not exactly happening. But uh, let me let me try something. I want to run something by you all, and um, and and tell me what you think. I, I, I don't even have to invite you to do that, do I? You're of course you're going to tell me what you think, and that's the beauty of this demographic. I I love the listeners here uh, because indeed, yes, you are not reticent, you're not repressed, you're not shy. Uh, you are not reluctant to express yourselves, and and I appreciate that. Um, uh, I see that that many people are still having trouble switching their names on the chat room on w4cy.com. But if you're not yet at w4cy.com, you're listening in another way. Uh, come join us there because uh, there is a lively interaction there all the time. Um, I did get an email from one of the very regulars on the uh, on the the chat room, and that would be uh, Rosty. This is a guy who works on an oil rig um, off the coast of Louisiana, right? And uh, we've heard from him a number of times, and. Um, uh, he sends an email. I just want to find it and read it to you because it was, it was kind of, you know, just, just interesting. Um, here he is. Uh, he wrote, uh, hello, sir. I will miss your show again. Floating around on my steel island in the Gulf of Mexico. I really wish I could listen to my radio rabbi. I know I'm missing things I need to know and think about. Why isn't there a podcast available? 
and um, I, I'm embarrassed by that question, um, and maybe I'll talk about it a little bit more. I'm embarrassed because uh, the fault is entirely mine, uh, entirely mine. Maybe I'll talk about it a little bit later, tell you, tell you what is going on. Um, says Rosty, cigar on the back deck, just isn't the same without your show. When he says the back deck, he doesn't mean a, a cedar wood deck on which he holds barbecues. He's, his back deck is the steel helicopter landing deck on the, uh, on the rig. Uh, he says 20 days down, 20 to go. So it's a 40-day shift. It's a 40-day shift on the rig, and he's halfway done. Um, here's a nice thing, by this is really nice. So you all know, you, I, I mean, you've, you've, you've seen, if you're on the chat room, you've seen Peter from Charlotte. You've heard him call in. Uh, and so Rosty on the rig in New Orleans, or at least in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, writes, and I've met Peter from Charlotte. He was in Louisiana on business, and we took the time to meet. We ate crawfish, smoked a cigar, and talked about life for hours. What a pleasure to meet Peter. And, um, and that gives me a lot of pleasure. Any role that I can play in connecting people with one another um, means a lot to me. I really, really, really enjoy that very much. So, uh, Rosti, you're probably not listening. And in fact, he finishes off by saying, we are on board a moving vessel with limited internet connection. Communications might be unavailable for extended periods of time. But anyways, I thank you very much for telling me that you uh, met up with Peter. And um, as a matter of fact, I see there is an email from Peter as well. Peter writes... Um, Uh, oh, so he, he's got a story about what happened in Garland, Texas, and, and that's going to take a little more time for me to look at. But um, but uh, I, I will, of course, do that. So uh, right now, let's rather just shoot right into the topic. And um, let me tell you what I want to run by you. I, I want to I make a case for something, which if I were making this to an audience exclusively of, of religious Christians, um, I think that uh, it would probably be a done deal. I don't think there'd be any problem at all. But when I speak on the radio, when I, I do a show like this, uh, my presumption is that there are people of, of many different faiths. There are people with, of no faith at all. And I cherish that. I love the, the variety of people. And so my presumption is that nothing will or should be taken on faith. Uh, I want to actually make a case. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you the, the, the case right now. Um, I'm going to start off by reminding you how many people have drowned in the Mediterranean. In the last 18 months, since the beginning of 2014, uh, it's about 10,000 people. Now, they haven't retrieved all 10,000 corpses, but based on eyewitness reports of people who, uh, who were either pushed overboard by Muslims or they, were, uh, they drowned when these little overloaded boats sank and foundered, um, about 10,000 people drowned. The number of people who've actually made it all the way across the Mediterranean is uh, obviously much higher than that. They've done uh, really very, very large numbers. My question to you, and it's a bit of a rhetorical question, it's a bit of a silly question. These people that drowned, how many of them were drown drowned in an attempt to reach from Africa to Europe, and how many of them drowned trying to travel from Europe to Africa? Um, there is no uh, similar area in the world 
where there is such a violation of common sense. Because just not knowing any background, if, if you hear that a lot of people drowned in the Mediterranean, some of them were going to one place, some of them were going to another place, right? There's shipwrecks all over the Caribbean. They weren't all going or coming from the same place. They, ships go under, things happen. But not only to ships going from one place to another. You see what I'm saying? And yet you know as well as I do that all the people who drowned in the Mediterranean, all those 10,000 tragic souls who lost their lives in the last 18 months, they were all trying to go from Africa to Italy or to Europe, all of them. Why? Well, you might respond by saying, well, it's obvious they were going from a rich, a poor country to a rich country. So, I mean, why would anybody be wanting to go from Italy to Africa? And you'd be right. But you see, all you're doing is deferring the question. All you'd be doing is deferring the question. Because the real question is, so, okay, why? Why? Is Europe rich and Africa poor? Why? Do you follow? You see, I mean, th this is the question. And you know what's fascinating is that this question does not get tackled in American universities. They do not ask this question. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they'll, they'll hold courses on gender stereotyping in Esperanto literature. They'll, they'll hold, they'll hold uh, uh, courses, they'll give courses on the colonial oppression of uh, pets by Western powers in the third world during the 19th century. They'll do all of those things. But how about a question of why Europe is rich and Africa is poor? They won't touch that. Do you know why? Because they're racists. In academia, they are racists, by which I mean to say that they believe they know the answer. They think the answer is that people with black skins don't know how to create or are incapable of creating successful civilization. That's what they believe. And so they do not want to come up with that answer. The answer, I, I, I hardly need stress to you, is completely false. That's not true at all. It's simply not the case. And so what is it? Why is it that Europe, America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, all of these places have succeeded? Most of Asia, most of Arabia. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, most of Africa, nothing, nada, hopeless, poverty. Why? And I, I can assure you that it has nothing to do with anyone's skin color. I'm just letting you know that in advance. So what is it then? What is the explanation? Well, there have been numerous attempts uh, to answer, not by universities, but uh, by scholars. Uh, there was a fairly popular book a while back, uh, say a while back in uh, you know the last 20 years or so, called Guns, Germs, and Steel uh, by a scholar called Jared Diamond. And this was an attempt to try and explain that uh, there are logical reasons for why uh, Africa uh, failed and is still essentially, you know, the only parts of Africa that are working are the parts that the Chinese have taken over. That's true. Uh, Chinese own Africa today. Uh, virtually all the natural resources that are being mined in Africa are going directly to the Chinese. All the uh, railway construction, all the factory development, all everything, all being done by Chinese who are being paid in raw material. They're being paid in natural resources, uh, including gold, including diamonds. So uh, Jared Diamond writes Guns, Germs, and Steel to try and explain this. And... Uh, and he, you know, he comes up. He comes up with with a few explanations, but uh, unsatisfying to the reader and to him. Uh, you've got um, uh, the wealth and poverty of nations. That's another one that was written by David Landis, another great scholar. Uh, Why nations fail was written by a scholar called Robinson. I can't remember his first name for the moment, but uh, again, a, a top-rate scholar. Um, and then more recently, uh, there is a book called Civilization, the West and the Rest. And this is by a Scottish author, a Scottish historian and scholar uh, who now lives in America and teaches, I think, at Harvard. His name is Neil Ferguson. And, and there, there are a few others. All of them, without exception, basically end with the author saying, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is as good as I can do, but it doesn't fully answer it. Nobody, nobody feels confident that they have an explanation for why the West succeeded spectacularly. So much so, as I think you know, that uh, there is nowhere in Africa other than South Africa, nowhere else in Africa has an illegal immigration problem. Nowhere else. Nowhere under uh, Arab rule is there an illegal immigration problem. <laughs> there isn't. Know anyone trying to get into Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, Biafra? Uh-uh. No. Somalia? Anyone? Somalia? No. Nobody is trying to get into any of these countries. But all the people from those countries are trying to get into the United States or Canada or Australia or New Zealand or Germany, France, Italy, Switzerland, well, forget about Switzerland, you're not getting in there. Norway, Sweden, and indeed, all of these places are uh, 
overrun by, and I say overrun knowing that it's a nasty word, but uh, the immigrants that have overrun these countries have not brought them much blessing. It's as simple as that. So uh, what's going on? Why is it that the West has succeeded in building a civilization and the rest have not? What on earth is going on there? And it's not only the things I've spoken about, but uh, let me add a few more things. Do you know of um, any folks from India who in the 19th century went and set up a colony in South England? How about uh, Africa? Any Africans sail up the River Thames and establish a colony, you know, in the, in the 1300s in England? No. How about any folks from Central Africa go and set up colonies in Belgium? Anybody from Asia go and set up colonies in Sweden? No. Absolutely not. The only place that sent explorers out who set up outposts that became colonies were the Europeans. That's it. Why nobody else? Come on, you've got to have an explanation for that. I should give out our phone number, by the way. Uh, take it down, 561-623-9429. What's that? I gave it before you had pen and paper ready. Yeah, I suspected as much. All right, here it comes again. 561-623-9429. And uh, that brings you right here to the show. You can comment that way if you prefer that to commenting on the, the chat room, which, which also works. So it's not only the things I've spoken about. What do you say to the fact that no capital market ever grew indigenously in a non-Western country. Now, granted, there uh, are a, there are stock markets today in uh, Ghana. There are stock markets today in Singapore. There are stock markets in many non-Western countries. But they're all copies of the capital markets that were created and sprung to life in London and in Amsterdam. How about banking? Banks have a lot to do with prosperity. Banks have a great deal to do with prosperity. How come nobody came up with banks at all? In Europe, until relatively, excuse me, in Asia, until relatively recently, they, uh, they traded in gold. They used to, and still do to this day, thin sheets of gold that you can cut with the scissors. And so when you're doing a transaction with somebody, you can cut off some gold with the scissors and give it to them because there were no banks. So why? What's going on? Banks are really valuable for the development of wealth because banks actually create capital. You understand? You know, here we look at it disparagingly as a fractional banking system. We don't trust politicians, all for good reason. But essentially, the making available of capital, of capital is, what, is what banks do best if they're just left alone to, to function in that fashion and to manage their own risks. I always uh, am embittered by the fact that the majority of non-thinking sheeple in America, when asked who are the prime culprits in the 
the real estate meltdown, the financial meltdown of the last decade. You know, who's responsible? And you'll get the answer always. They'll tell you the greedy bankers on Wall Street. They did it. And it's not true, you know. I'm not saying they're saints. But the real culprits were the politicians who imposed rules on banks that they have to lend regardless of creditworthiness. And they interfered with banks' traditional means of measuring creditworthiness. The whole financial crisis was due in large part, 85% of it by my estimation, was due to politicians who were trying to win votes from people who should not have been buying real estate but were encouraged to do so by politicians who threatened banks if they did not lend to everybody. And they deemed they deemed the traditional banking credit tests um, to be uh, uh, discrimin discriminatory. And so nobody, nobody actually attributes the blame to where it really belongs, which is the politicians, unfortunately. Never happens. But uh, banks basically play a very important role. Banks grew in Europe. They grew in the West. They didn't grow in the rest of the world. Why? But that's not all. Property rights. Property rights extremely important. What are property rights? So a role that the government plays in maintaining a record of who owns what. So that people can establish their ownership. In most parts of the world, you can't even buy real estate. And if you did, it's risky because you think you're buying it from the seller and then somebody else shows up who claims that it's his property. And that's why the overwhelming majority of citizens of the planet do not own real estate because they live in places where it's impossible. So where was it possible to establish rights to the land you owned? Africa? Nowhere. Asia? Nope. You know where it was possible? In Europe, the West. Come on, folks. This is wild coincidence. This is making no sense. But I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Oh, by the way, um, people have often asked me about uh, the role of Jews in banking. So uh, usury is indeed prohibited in the Old Testament and the, probably the new as well. But I don't know about the new. I only know about the old. And um, – even the, let alone usury, which is uh, sometimes difficult to define. I mean, one man's usury is another man's market interest rate. But uh, even the charging of interest itself would appear to be uh, prohibited. And um, Christians, therefore, following, God bless them, following the letter of the law, uh, did not open banks, which left the field wide open for Jews. And so sure enough, in the, in the early days of banking – uh, there was a man called Amshel Rothschild, who was a uh, God-fearing, Bible-believing Jew, uh, started the Rothschild banking dynasty. And uh, and so it is, you know, Lehman uh, Brothers. Uh, I mean, there are so many investment banking firms today that had their roots 
in Jews. Yeah, Jews did dominate in banking, no question about it. Well, did Jews just ignore the Old Testament rules of interest? And the answer is no. You've heard me talk very often about ancient Jewish wisdom, haven't you? And ancient Jewish wisdom is the um, oral material that has been passed down from teacher to student, from father to son, uh, which unpacks the dense data stream of information in the Bible. And so there are many things in the Bible which on the surface of it do not make a whole lot of sense. For instance, there is a prohibition in the Bible uh, about tripping up blind people. Isn't this a bit weird? The same book that says as the Tenth Commandment, not only do I not want you stealing things from other people, I don't even want you desiring things that other people have. So this high level of moral expectation is matched by another rule which says in the book of Deuteronomy, don't place a stumbling block in front of blind people. Whoa, that ruins my evening this Saturday night. I was going to go out and look for people with white canes and black sun, black dark glasses, and uh, I'm going to trip them up. That's what I was planning on doing. What, what, what could be more fun on a Saturday night than tripping up blind people? Darn it. The Bible goes and prohibits it. Oh, I can't believe it. The Bible has just gone and ruined. Does that sound plausible to you? That the same book that says don't even desire the property of other people, let alone take it, will also say, oh, by the way, I know that you're expecting to have some fun tripping up blind folks, but you're not allowed to do that either. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. What's the, ex what's the explanation? The explanation is that that... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is ancient Jewish wisdom's way of saying that there are circumstances in which people can be blind in financial transactions. You may not exploit that. You cannot put a stumbling block before blind. Let me give you an example. Uh, because your brother-in-law works in city government, he happened to overhear a top-secret meeting about a, a brand-new convention center and subway stop that the city was going to build in a certain location in an otherwise uh, somnambulant part of town, which was going to, through this, get a massive jolt of investment, and this part of town is really going to pick up like crazy. So you now go to the property owners in that district, 
and uh, you tell them absolutely nothing about what you know, and you buy up their properties for cheap. They're so grateful to finally get out of the you know, valueless pieces of property they own. You buy them, and six months go by, and the news comes out, and all of a sudden, uh, you, you're getting 100 times your money. Um, the developers are coming after your properties, and uh, you played all the original landowners for a sucker. So Judaism prohibits that completely and unequivocally. Why? Because they, those people you bought from were blind with respect to you. In other words, you knew information that they didn't, and you exploited that. You put a stumbling block in front of a blind person, a lot of blind people in my story. So we absolutely do not say, hey, you know, business is business, you know, business is business. What do you expect? Uh, you know, they should have, you snooze, you lose. They should have woken up. They should have done the research. No, we don't say that. We say that the only legitimate business transaction is one where both sides know all the information. So you might say, well, in that case, there's no, not likely to be a transaction and you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. Because every time I buy a loaf of bread, it's a totally open transaction. I know everything there is to know about that loaf of bread, and uh, I buy it in full knowledge. The baker is not trying to pull a fast one on me. I'm not trying to uh, chisel the baker. There's a deal. The, uh, the, I, the, tra the best transactions are totally transparent. There is no reason. The, the way the good Lord created us, where each and every one of us is unique and different and distinctive, that is all you need for transactions to take place. You don't need to have an information edge over the other party. All you need is the simple reality that every human being is different and different people want different things. And so there's an opportunity to trade. He has something that you want. You have something he wants in in some cases, it might be money, and you you effect a transaction, but you absolutely do not do a transaction that depends on you knowing something the other party doesn't. That would be in violation of do not put a stumbling block before blind people. And so, uh, um, I I tell you I tell you all of that in order for you to understand that when the the Bible prohibits interest, ancient Jewish wisdom explains from the Hebrew texts and the parsing of the Hebrew words that that means from your friend who needs to borrow money from you because he needs help. He's down on his luck. Now, you know that there is a hierarchy of charity. There's eight steps in, chari in charitable giving. And uh, one of the steps is very interesting, and that is that lending somebody money is at a higher level than giving somebody money. Why do you think that is? Why do you think God smiles more on folks who lend money to somebody who's down on his luck than give money? Think about it for a moment. You know why? Because when I'm down on my luck and you lend me money and you say, uh, you know, here's a thousand dollars. Get clothing for your for your family, pay off the grocery bill, and I'm lending you the money, and uh, you pay it back to me next year. And you say, and I say, well, I can't guarantee it. You know, I'm hoping that my luck is going to change. I'm going to start. I'm going to get a job and start doing okay. But what happens if I can't? So you know what? 
We'll talk about it then. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it then. By making it a loan instead of a gift, you've allowed the recipient to retain his dignity. The receiving of charity um, is corrosive. It's, uh, it makes people feel terrible. And so when you make it a loan, they retain their dignity. It's wonderful. And so when you're making that kind of loan, you're not allowed to charge interest. But if you're making a business loan, where somebody comes to you and says, look, here's the deal. Uh, if I had $1,000 of capital, I could do this, that, or the other, and uh, this is the kind of profit I'll make. And so if you lend me the money to do that, I'll share the profit with you in the form of, of in, you know, it'll be like an interest payment. It's perfectly okay. And that is why Jews loaned money to their friends and their neighbors free of interest when they needed help but at the same time built up a very viable banking system. Christians at that stage of history, and that would be mostly Catholics because this would have been just about in the, in the late stages, just before the Reformation, in the early stages of the Reformation, just about the beginning of the 16th century. Um, Catholics were simply unaware of the ancient Jewish wisdom on the subject, and they took it as a blanket prohibition on all interests. So obviously, they couldn't go into banking. Uh, Muslims, I believe, do the same, although I understand that they've sort of worked out some way around that now, and I'm not sure exactly what that is. I don't know. But uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the idea, obviously, is that um, the banking system that grew up in, in Europe to some extent grew up because of the Jews, but then it, it grew very rapidly. And so we're, we're back to this question of what is special about the West? And how's about one final example? And then maybe, maybe we'll take a quick break. Here's one final example. And that is that um, over 97% of all the scientific, technological, medical advances and discoveries from the year 900 to the year 1900 took place in the West. Novocaine was not invented in Africa. The jet engine was not invented in China. The internal combustion engine was not invented in India. All of these things were invented in what we think of as the West. My friends, I'm sure you see the massive coincidence we're dealing with here. Wouldn't you have thought that, you know, uh, some of the inventions should have come out of Africa, some of the inventions should have come out of Asia, some of the inventions should have come out of Europe? No, all of them out of what we think of as the West. Now, uh, just to clarify, yes, the Chinese did come up with gunpowder. They did. But they never, ever used it for anything other than painting pretty pictures in the sky. The, the idea that gunpowder is exploding, is burning gas uh, with tremendous expansion force, which could be used to drive a, a piston down a cylinder – or for a myriad of other things, that never happened in China, only in, in Europe. Uh, the taming of, of gunpowder into dynamite and uh, trinitrotoline, these are all things in the West. 
everything came from the West. Why? It's mind-boggling. Isn't this weird? What is going on here? What? How do you explain this weird coincidence? Everything from all of these things, whether it's banking or technology or uh, the idea of property rights, it's all in the West. No wonder scholars are baffled. And the answer, I will explain. Well, just as soon as I get back, because I want to take a quick break, if, if you don't mind. And I know that uh, there's been a little criticism from some of you about the breaks, but uh, we can talk about that as well. But meanwhile, producer Rebel, give me a quick break, if you will. Play us some fun music. And uh, I, your radio rabbi, back with you in just a few minutes. takes a hundred years takes us back a few years all righty uh let's just let me just catch up here if you don't mind i i just want to see what uh is happening i want to see what is happening on the chat room do you mind quick quick look at that if you don't mind and um i realize uh, you just got to bear with me for just a few seconds before we pick up again and uh and um uh continue continue with the show um but you'll you'll excuse me if i just see who's been saying what um 
James Darren, Goodbye Cruel World. Yeah. Um, probably the 60s, no? Somewhere in the 1960s, I would have to say. Um, and uh, Producer Rebel says this was a request from a listener. Uh, terrific. Well done, whoever it was. I liked it. Good choice. And Yaakov uh, <laughs> uh, Varen says, enjoy your twinings, Rabbi. If it weren't for tea, we'd be for... <laughs> Uh, very, very, very witty. Um, and uh, Deanne, I know, uh, by the way, I know some of these names aren't right. Uh, it took me a little bit this evening to figure out how to change my name from Valerie to Rabbi Daniel Lappin in the chat room. But uh, it is it is possible. Um, okay. All right. Let me just put a, a note in. I'm, I'm writing in the chat room myself now. All right. Uh, there we go. Uh, so, an explanation. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right? There's got to be an explanation, surely. Some explanation for... Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I got to. I got to take care of two housekeeping announcements. Uh, one of them is I got to give you my email address because you might not want to be in the chat room. You might actually want to communicate directly with me and just shoot me an email, which I'll get during the show. Easy to do. You send an email to Radio Rabbi at RabbiDanielLappin.com. Radio Rabbi at rabbidaniellappin.com. That's all you got to do. Radio Rabbi at rabbidaniellappin.com and I get that email right away, which is terrific. Um, and uh, so you just need to know that. Okay. All right. I, I'll, I'll read some more emails a little bit further down the road. I, I want to get back to the topic now. And uh, the topic, why is it? How do we explain how do we explain why it is that the West is so much more successful than the rest? Why is it that only Western countries have illegal immigration problems? Why? There's got to be an explanation. And so I started off asking whether the folks that, drowning, that are drowning in the Mediterranean – were they trying to get to Europe from Africa or were they trying to get to Africa from Europe? And you all know the answer. It's not even half and half. It's 100% we're trying to get from Africa to Europe. And folks sometimes answer me on this question by saying, well, it's obvious they're going from a poor country to a rich country. Hey, it's obvious they're going from a chaotic, despotic, uh, anarchic environment uh, to a structure of law and order. And I say, yeah, I know all those things. Thanks a lot for nothing. I knew all that. 
The real question is, why did these desirable characteristics of human cooperation appear only in Europe? Why? And I am ready to supply the answer. But before I supply the answer, I have to tell you something interesting about the times in which we live. We live in the first time in 2,000 years where people who consider themselves to be educated and sophisticated are blissfully, cluelessly ignorant of the Bible. Today, you've got talking heads who pontificate on television on every imaginable topic with a supreme confidence of those who feel comfortable flaunting their ignorance, and they literally do not know whether Leviticus is the name of a book in the Bible or the name of a man's aftershave lotion. They don't have the faintest idea. This truly is the first time in, hum in the last 2,000 years of history where people are as ignorant about the Bible as they are now. Never happened. Never happened before. You never had a politician in England or in Germany or in Sweden or for that matter in the United States of America who did not know the books of the Bible. There was no such thing. This is the first time. Now, the reason it's important for you to be aware of that as I try to make my case, the reason it's important is because that explains why the Bible is so easily overlooked as a conspicuous and relevant factor in influencing the shape of nations. And you'll see where I'm going. Because the presumption, and you, <laughs> I was talking in, in D.C. this morning, I was talking to somebody um, who is uh, at a high rank in the Air Force and uh, has had some frustrating dealings with the State Department lately. And he said something to me which uh, I, I was fascinated to hear from a military man, although it was something I did know. But he said it very well. He said um, the State Department is populated by bureaucrats who've never met anybody for whom the Bible is one of the most important things in the world. And their assumption is that since they do not know or care about the Bible, neither does anybody else. And they have no idea. They simply do not understand why it is that five million Jews in Israel do not pick up and go and live in Australia and in New Jersey and in Canada and in England and in Germany. And by the way, all of those countries, in a desire to once and for all end the Middle East crisis, they'd be willing, they'd all be willing to take in Jews. Because the truth is, if you don't mind me saying, Jewish immigrants are actually a good deal. Jewish immigrants, pretty good way to jumpstart your economy. One of the reasons that England reintroduced Jews, made it permissible after the Jews were uh, banned from England in the early 1200s, the uh, Cromwell allowed Jews back. Why? Uh, the wars had cost money. The, uh, the, 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 the treasury was down, and they knew that if the Jews came back, the economy would be resuscitated. 
that's all. That's all it is. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, every now and then my eye is caught by, by something in the chat room. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I spoke a little bit earlier. I mentioned Peter from Charlotte. And, uh, and so here is a, a message. And I don't know why he's not in the W4CY chat room. He's in a sort of private chat room he's created. Hi, my rabbi. This is Peter in Charlotte. Since receiving a new computer, I can't find a way to change my computer-generated name, Deanne. So for now, feel free to call me Deanne, my chat room name. No, not at all. You are Peter. I will not call you Deanne. And Peter, I don't know if you were with us a, a little bit earlier, but um, one of the things that, that happened is that uh, I got an email from um, Rusty on his oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico and uh, he mentioned that you and he got together for a cigar while you were down in New Orleans. And uh, I was saying what a kick I got out of that when radio listeners meet one another through the show. I really, really get a kick. And as a matter of fact, uh, one of the things I'm planning and would love to do uh, a little later this year is a listener event. Maybe a few listener events where uh, we'll have show get-togethers in different cities around the country. I love bringing folks together who are listeners. So, uh, Peter, thanks very much for connecting with Rosti during your business trip to New Orleans, and uh, and that was absolutely terrific. Um, I just see a few other um, web uh, chat room comments here. Um, uh, one person says, God's blessing because the law given to man through Moses – Yaakov um, uh, Aaron says, my sainted father who had traveled the world once told me as a child, in the West they hold human life in higher regard. Elsewhere human life is undervalued to the point of insignificance. Very true, by the way. Very, very true. That is absolutely correct. And um, uh, Dog says, we came out pretty well on the Einstein trade. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um We'll see how well France does, by the way. Basically, France is exchanging its Jews for Arabs. And uh, we'll see how that goes for them. Um, and, uh, oh, uh, Producer Rebel says Peter may have been the, the one who, uh, who asked for the, uh, uh, the last music request. And uh, so <laughs> he's on the chat room as Deanne, D-E-A-N-N-E, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, here he is. Yes, I heard it. Rusty is a tremendous human being who I now am proud to refer to as my friend, says the answer. So that, that did work out, Peter. You and Rusty did get together in New Orleans, and I'm as tickled as could be by that. <laughs> um, okay, terrific. All right, all this, all this is lovely. So, um, okay, so now I'm going to explain that the only way to account in my view, for the extraordinary success of Europe, the extraordinary success of what we think of as the West, making it so very different from anywhere else in the world, is because the West was shaped by the Bible. That's right. And that's why I told you that in America today, people you may well admire. I don't know if you admire, you know, uh, some of the television entertainers, movie stars, politicians, whoever it is. But with a few exceptions, like you know Louis Gomez and uh, and uh, Ted Cruz and a few other people, uh, um, American politicians, for the most part, know as much about the Bible as they do about brain surgery. You see, and so it's very easy 
to live in America today and assume that this irrelevance of the Bible was always true in the world, and nothing could be further from the truth. That simply is not how it was. The Bible was enormously influential, incredibly significant. And uh, and so what I want to show you now is uh, why and how that works. Because you might say to me, well, you know, you were talking a minute ago about banking. I don't see anything about banking in the Bible. A few minutes ago, you were saying that the West exclusively developed technology and science. I don't see a whole lot about technology and science in the Bible. And so uh, all of that, all of that needs explanations. All of that needs work. And, and I'm going to explain all of that to you. Let us take a quick side excursion to visit with a wonderful scholar called Joseph Daniel Unwin. Unwin, if you can hear me, that would be U-N-W-I-N, Unwin. And, uh, and here's a fascinating thing. This guy was a great scholar. He was at Oxford and Cambridge. He, I think he also taught in North America, either Canada or the United States. He died around about 1950 or thereabouts, and so he was um, a, a leader of academia in the first part of the 20th century. He was an anthropologist, and he devoted his life to studying the cultures of the world. He, I mean, really devoted his life to it, and he came up with about 5,000 cultures. He said since the beginning of recorded human history, uh, looking in every corner of the world, there are about 5,000 distinct cultures. And based on that, he came up uh, with a rule, which is absolutely inviolable. The rule he came up with said that no group of people have ever succeeded in establishing a civilization if they did not also subscribe to the idea of biblical monogamous marriage. Now, Joseph Daniel Unwin was not a religious man, as it turns out. Nonetheless, he said, no society has ever become civilized if they did not have the biblical model of monogamy. Furthermore, he continued, once a society loses its commitment to monogamy, the journey towards chaos and barbarism is irreversible. Now, that bodes badly for the United States, I've got to tell you. Now, I don't think he's right on that point. But uh, in America, it's not hard to see that we've been conducting a war on monogamy for several decades already, and uh, it's, it's uh, successfully brought marriage to its absolute lowest level, absolutely lowest level, and uh, it's raised the percentage of children that are born into illegitimacy. You don't like that phrase, do you? Illegitimacy. You're not allowed to use that because uh, it stigmatizes the innocent child. Yeah, that's true. And you know something? One of the most powerful compulsions on adults to behave responsibly is their children. That's how the system works. And uh, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that if people knew particularly young women, if they knew 
that their children would pay a price for being born without a father, without a, a dad. They would do it a lot less because nobody wants to hurt their children. It's just that the government, in its wisdom, has tried to make absolutely certain that regardless of what terrible choices people make, the government will always step in to try and fix things up. Well, it can't fix things up. It's not capable of fixing everything up. And no matter how much money you give to a woman to help her raise her children, that's not giving that child a father. And the number of those children that end up in the criminal justice system is tragic. My friends, it's nothing to do with skin color. It's everything to do with values. Now, it is true that marriage has been decimated among African-Americans, tragically. That's been done by the government. And uh, the great economist Thomas Sowell points out that rates of uh, marriage, absence of marriage, absence of fathers, illegitimacy, you should have thought would be much higher in the uh, first half of the 20th century because they would have been closer to slavery. And things should be much better after the civil rights period of the 1960s. What's the truth? Sowell has the numbers. Illegitimacy is much, much, much higher among African-Americans today than it was before 1960. Cr crime, much worse. Failure of marriages, much worse. Why? Because 1960 wasn't just the civil rights period. It was also the war on poverty. It was the era of big government. Government was going to fix all the social problems. Well, people act in their own best interests. And uh, when the government is giving out money, a line will form. People aren't stupid. Government's giving out money. I want to know about that. Absolutely. No problem. And so because because of the frightening changes that have been wrought by government interference in society, uh, marriage has gone down very badly. More, a greater percentage of children born today are born without, you know, to single mothers than ever before, ever. What's the explanation for this? It's not, not slavery. Things have gotten worse since 1960, not better. Government interference, massive government interference on, on a number of different levels. So uh, I said I would go back to explaining the science question, right? After all, I'm arguing that uh, science developed in Western countries because of the Bible. So what's it about? Okay, I'm going to tell you now. Listen well, my friends, because you've not heard this anywhere else. Listen well. People, people pay a large sums of money for artifacts that were owned by celebrities they admire, 
You know that, right? They have auctions. People will buy almost anything that a celebrity whom they admire once owned. That's what people do. Happy to do that. Why? Well, because if you cannot interact with a celebrity, if you cannot be friends with a celebrity because they're dead or for any other reason, then the next best thing you do is touch something of theirs. How's about, uh, let us imagine that you are a, a big fan of Picasso. You think Picasso is just the greatest artist. You're wrong, by the way. If you think that, you're wrong. Uh, the man uh, had a, uh, a robust ego and, uh, and, um, and, and foisted his talentless creations onto a gullible buying art public. But enough of my little critique there. Let's just assume that you absolutely are infatuated with Picasso. Picasso is the last word. Now, Picasso's dead. If he was alive, you would do anything to have dinner with him. You'd do anything. But he's dead. You can't. So how do you now get the next best thrill? What a thrill you would have had to have won a, uh, a prize of an evening with Picasso. But he's dead, and you cannot win that prize. So what's the next best thrilling thing? To spend time with these paintings. For you. Not for me, but for you. Because when you spend time with a man's creations, you feel close to him. You do. When you f spend time and get to know a man's creations, then you end up feeling close to that man. You listen to the music. Let's say this music of a certain composer you like or a singer you like, and you listen to the, to the music and you start loving that composer or that song, that singer or that songwriter, whoever, whatever it is. But you get more and more into them because by spending time with their creation, you get to know them. You want to know one of the great attractions of sex? Is sex the most thrilling thing that human beings can do? No, it's actually the second most thrilling thing human beings can do. You know what the most thrilling thing human beings can do? Getting to know God. But that's kind of hard, if not impossible, for, for most of us. So you know what the next best thing to do is get to know his creation. If you can't get to know an artist, get to know his creation, and that's almost as much of a kick as getting to know the artist himself. Well, we uh, are not able to, for many of us, it's hard to get to know the great artist in heaven. And so we get to know his creations, and that is other people. And the deepest way of getting to know somebody is through sex. And that's why it's not a euphemism when the Bible says he knew her. It's not a euphemism. It's a reality. It's exactly what it is. Absolutely. And part of the reason it's such a thrill is that you are actually getting to know the creator. In exactly the same way that I remember once at the main museum in Amsterdam, Holland, the Rijksmuseum, the State Museum in Amsterdam, I once went there. Actually, there was a picture I was really interested in getting to know. And I, 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 I spent maybe an hour in front of the picture. It's called the Night Watch, if you're interested. And, um, and there were a few other people that were there when I arrived and uh, were still there when I left. And they were in rapturous trance 
absolutely enchanted by the painting. And I could tell that for them, this was a massive kick. It was like they were getting to know the artist. It was a big deal. Okay. The reason I tell you all of that is in order for me to tell you this. But in before I do that, you'll forgive me if I take another break, Producer Rebel. I don't know if anyone has uh, put in a request on the chat room for any specific music, but uh, I know that I can leave the, the choice to you with full confidence. You've never let me down yet. Your choices have always perfectly matched the mood of the show. So uh, I will once again leave it to you as I, your rabbi, ladies and gentlemen, quick break if you don't mind after which i shall return she keeps them always shandor in a pretty cabinet let them eat cake she says just like marie antoinette a building a remedy for chris job and kennedy at a time an imitation you can't She's a killer, queen, gunpowder, genetine, dynamite with a laser beam, guaranteed oh, to blow oh, your mind. Oh, Recommended at the price, insatiable and appetite. Wanna try? Just like a baroness, middle man, China, and down to gauge your mind. Then again, incidentally, if you're that way, you came naturally from Paris. Because she couldn't care less, fastidious and precise. She's a killer, queen, gunpowder, gelatine, dynamite with a laser beam, guaranteed to blow your mind. I 
I have absolutely no idea what that music was. It was interesting. Interesting. I liked it. I have no idea who that was or what it was, but uh, I'm pretty sure it'll show up on the chat room pretty soon, and uh, I will have my ignorance repaired, and uh, I'll be told just who it was. Ah, it was Queen. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yes. Thank you, Producer Rebel. Yeah, that... uh, that um, that 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 makes sense. It was oh very yes, and Peter was right. I, I did like that exactly right. Um, uh, all right, <laughs> I, I got a little preview on the chat room of what we might be playing for the next break. I'll do one more break, uh, you know, close to the bottom of the hour, and uh, we'll we'll play that one last piece of music. Then uh, that's great, producer Rebel, just terrific. Okay, so uh, so. I, I said now I was going to wrap up how it was that the Bible stimulated scientific discovery. You're with me so far, you're not, that uh, that getting to know the work of an artist you admire is almost as much of a thrill as getting to know the artist, him or herself. Okay, now I have to take you to a verse. Now, this verse is very well known. Uh, admittedly, in America today, I, I doubt, I literally doubt that half the members of Congress could complete this verse. I doubt it. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the majority of bankers on Wall Street could not complete this verse. I know for a fact that 90% of professors on university faculties could not complete this verse. But You know, I I speak in uh, 30 or 40 churches, a lot of churches every year, over 30 churches every year. Any little kid in the Sunday school of the church or any barefoot urchin on the streets of Tel Aviv, Israel, could complete this verse. It starts off, in the beginning, God created, and yes, the rest of it, well, you know, heaven and earth. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. It's so important for us to know that, that it's not only in the Bible, it's the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1. That's right. It's, that's how important it is. Why? Why is it so important? Well, uh, because up till that point, nobody knew. Nobody had the slightest idea at all. Nobody had the slightest clue that the earth was linked to God. Nobody knew that in the same way that God is one, we speak about um, monotheism, right? The unity of God in the same way that God is one. Well, his world is one. And so it would make sense if, if you start expecting there to be a similarity between formulae for electrostatic attraction and formulae for gravitational attraction. Whoa, big words. But inexplicable that the formulae for those two utterly different forces of nature are identical. The form of the formula is identical. Weird. Well, not so weird if you now know that in the beginning God created heaven and earth. So you'd expect to find a unity in creation, which in essence is the definition of the entire scientific endeavor. Trying to find patterns that make sense. 
and the periodic table and the forces of electricity and magnetism and optics and everything else as we began to understand the world around us, they began to be studied by, and this you may not know, but the majority of scientists who created the entire disciplines of science, physics, chemistry, mathematics, these people in the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries, the majority of them were Bible-believing Christians. Isaac Newton himself, the great Isaac Newton, in the latter half of the 17th century, the great Isaac Newton actually wrote more books about God and the Bible than he ever wrote about mathematics. <laughs> That's true. The scientists were all religious. It's crazy stuff. Well, it makes perfect sense because the stimulus to study the world was getting to know God. Easiest way to get to know God, study his creations, study his art, other people, and yes, the world itself, the physical world. Study it, get to know it, and guess what? It becomes a religious experience. You get to know the creator. And that, more than anything else, is what drove the study of science among Christian scientists and among others as well. This, And, of course, as soon as you have a foundation of people studying science, uh, then you get an infrastructure. There's people to talk to. Somebody's creating building lab equipment. Somebody else. You, know, you, you have an infrastructure. It's one of the reasons that uh, Silicon Valley exists. You know, once you've got one or two or three uh, technology companies there, you get critical mass, and all the technologies want to technology firms want to come there, and that's what it's like as well. Uh, as science began to develop in Europe, yes, it didn't develop anywhere else because they were stimulated there by the notion of getting to know the great artist in the sky. That's what did it, and they then proceeded to do exactly that. So um, that is, in, in brief, uh, why it is that science flourished in Western civilization and nowhere else. No other uh, – by the way, you, you may not know this, but the, the phrase, in the beginning God created heaven and earth, not found in the Quran, not found in the uh, animistic traditions of Africa – not found in the holy books of the Bhagavad Gita. Nowhere else but in the Bible does that phrase, in the beginning God created heaven and earth, exist. And that simple sentence served as a massive stimulus, a massive stimulus for the development of science. Let me take a look at... Um, let me take a look at, at, at some of the – Let me. should I just first see whether I have any emails? You want to send me an email, that would be to radiorabbi at rabbidaniellappin.com. You got it? Radiorabbi at rabbidaniellappin.com. And um, we have uh, – oh, very interesting one from Tom. Very interesting. Now, where is Tom? In what uh, area? Uh, 732 area code. I don't remember where 732 is. Uh, anyone know where the 732 is? Anyway, Tom is in the 732 area code. And uh, 
Tom writes, uh, hi, Rob, I have a video of a mom who went to the recent Baltimore riot, found her son, and then smacked him in the head. has gone viral. But is she a hero? Would you do the same, Rabbi Lappin? Thomas Gaglia, uh, Thomas says, the Baltimore riots and the video are an opportunity to share an important parenting message. We cannot control our children's behavior. Eventually, they will do what they want to do, not what we tell them to do. The key is to supply our children with the tools to control their own behavior where they want to do what we tell them to do. Parents are decision makers and the rule makers, but if a child can't talk to them about their feelings, then they may seek advice from the wrong people. Um, thanks, Tom. Yeah, yeah, good. Absolutely. Good point. Oops, absolutely. Uh, as you can probably tell from my slow speaking, my attention is being distracted by um, some of the things that, that people are writing. Let me just see if there's anything else to read out that, uh, that you may be interested in. Uh, you'll, you'll pardon me. Um, 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 as I say, a, a very interesting email from uh, from Peter in Charlotte, uh, having to do with free speech and the cartoons. And yes, that that is a big topic, and um, uh, it's one that I thought has been discussed an awful lot in the last week. So uh, I, I, I hadn't been planning on talking about it at all. Um, okay, so that's that's all wonderful. Um, then on this uh, Queen, through understanding the world, you can approach the workings of the mind of God exactly. Um, in the beginning, God created physicality and spirituality. That's Peter and Charlotte. Thank you very much. Yeah, that that is the uh, the meaning of the opening phrase, heaven and earth. Uh, Yaakov says mathematical consistencies. The problem is when science turns itself into a religion. Sure, of course. Uh, and, and we are unfortunately at that point where uh, there's unthinking belief in anything that uh, that scientists say without paying any oh, of course it's i should have known that uh, producer rebel uh, area code 732 she tells me is new jersey and yes thank you very much indeed yeah it, I, I don't know what was the matter with me I, I actually do remember that now um and uh dog says very <laughs> very astute crowd here yes Pay attention to the impressive demographic that listens to this show, my friends. Pay good attention. You're talking about a very impressive group of people. Um, anything else? Anything else here? Well, let me just take a quick look and see. Um, I said uh, email address is uh, radio rabbi at rabbi daniel lappin and I, I read a few of the emails that came in and uh no that that's it okay here's the other thing i want to tell you um i just released the third dvd of my television show i shouldn't say my i should say ours because uh, mrs lappin um is by far and away the uh uh, the the most attractive feature of the uh, ancient Jewish wisdom television show. So what we do is we we put every now and then we put four of our favorite shows on a DVD. Uh, we now have three DVDs, which means twelve shows, and um, you can get hold of this. It makes it it's if I say so myself. It's a very popular show. It's entertaining. It's 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 not overly heavy, but at the same time. It always focuses on a specific aspect of ancient Jewish wisdom and uh, makes that available and um, 
and accessible to uh, to the, the the watching audience. It airs live on the uh, TCT television network, which your cable operator may or may not offer. But uh, it doesn't make any difference because if you went to my website right now, uh, you would see right there on the front page uh, the release of the new Ancient Jewish Wisdom DVD. And if you clicked on it, you'd be able to read about some of the shows that are included there. And uh, I uh, hope that that would encourage you to want to own it and include it in your library because these are shows that uh, they're, they're not entertainment but per se. They are informational. So you will want to see them more than once. But at any rate, at the very least, go along, take a look at them. You, you, In any event, you might want to just read about them. And that you would do at my website. The website, rabbidaniellappin.com. rabbidaniellappin.com. And uh, for for those of you who want a, uh, a simpler way to find it, easy way to find it is just go to youneedarabbi.com. Youneedarabbi.com. And uh, you do that, you'll go straight to my website, and uh, you will then be able to right away, right away, uh, read up about the Ancient Jewish Wisdom television show, which is now available on a DVD. And uh, it's it's rather fascinating. I, I mean, th- just being able to make this happen is really wonderful, and uh, I love that. All righty, so back to why the West outperforms the rest. You know, what else? We've spoken a little bit about uh, why science developed there. How's about property rights? How's about property rights? Well, so the thing about property rights is that it is totally counterintuitive. You with me on that? It's totally counterintuitive. The idea of human beings owning land is weird. I mean, we take it for granted today, obviously, but it's weird. You know why? Because it's unnatural. Animals do not own land. While it is true that uh, lions are territorial, they're not territorial with respect to other animals, only to other lions. It's an important thing to note that if um, if a lion, you know, and lions wander around, right? But if a lion has sort of taken up occupancy in, a, in an area of the African felt, he doesn't like other lions coming in there. But he has no problem with chimpanzees or elephants or giraffes or zebras coming in. Some of those things he'll eat. Um, but it's this is very different from human beings. Uh, with with human beings, we we don't want anybody uninvited entering our land. We like the ownership of our land to be ownership. But animals don't have that. And human beings who were never exposed to the Bible never came up with this idea of ownership of land. That's why in the continent of Africa, other than in places that were impacted by British missionaries, there is no ownership of land. People were nomadic. Asia, Arabia, nobody owns the desert. You wander around. And that's why when the pilgrims arrived and tried to buy land to set up their farms in Plymouth, they tried to buy the land from the uh, American Indians. And it took a long time to try and get the idea across. And finally, they agreed, 
but they thought the white people were crazy. And uh, history records that those American Indians went home gleeful and they said, well, today we sold them land. Tomorrow we're going to send sell them the moon and the sun and the stars. Because if you think about it, it makes just as much sense for a human being to own the moon as it does to own land. What do you mean you own land? You're only on this planet for 120 years if things go right. That's all. If anything, the land owns you. What do you mean you own land? But you see, early on in the Bible, Abraham wanted to bury his wife, Sarah. So he went to the local residence and he had much the same experience as the pilgrims did in uh, Plymouth. And he said, I want to bury my wife. I need to buy land. They said, oh, you don't need, you know, we basically don't know what you're talking about. Just go ahead, bury her wherever you like. That's what we do. He said, no, I want to own this. I want to buy this so as it's mine. This is a shocking notion. This had never been experienced before. You with me on this so far? I really want you to, to get this. It comes from the Bible, the idea that God wants human beings to own land, never known before the Bible. It was a shocker. And so countries that had access to the Bible established the principles of land ownership. Africa didn't. Asia didn't. But Europe did. And uh, and even in the founding of America, here's a, a really interesting point that um, Peter from Charlotte points out. That as a young man, George Washington was trained as a surveyor, became proficient at it. you know why? And um, the answer is very simple. Because we see in the West, we see that part of the role of government is to ensure the ownership of land. That we, we guarantee it. We make certain that the government establishes records. And the government establishes where land borders begin and where they end because the ownership of land is such an important part of civilization. Get it? It's wild. Absolutely wild. Okay. Uh, I said we take one more break in the show and uh, oh, you know what before we do, before we do, I got to I got to comment on Autumn. And I, I have no idea if this is your real name. No, it isn't. It's Ray from Livermore. Ray writes, I used to get an email reminder of the radio show. I have not been getting it. Thank you for your wonderful teaching. Ray from Livermore. And yes, everybody, uh, you are absolutely right. Um, I used to have the services of Rosie, who you might remember on the chat room, and she used to take it upon herself to send out uh, off my email list. She used to send out a reminder every Thursday afternoon that we'd be on the air doing the show this evening and she'd say what the topic was. And yes, it was actually very, very useful. So I miss her and I'm, I'm sorry that uh, she isn't with us anymore, but um, that's the person who used to do it. And I know, I just know that there are many people who think of the show late and, uh, and tune in well once we're well underway. Now, very often I'm changing topics and it doesn't matter, but tonight... I've been basically dealing with one overarching topic during the course of the evening. So joining late makes it just a little bit harder. But, Ray, I know that uh, that you're there and that you know exactly what we're talking about, and I appreciate it. So thank you very much indeed. And uh, um, 
Yeah, King George said that Washington was the greatest man now living. You know, I got a lump in my throat last night after I finished a speech. Um, I was being driven back to my hotel. I was staying at the Omni Shoreham, and um, the person driving me back took me down Constitution Row and past the mall, and it was a, a very clear, lovely night. This was supposed to be about 10.30, so the traffic had died down. We could drive slowly, and we drove alongside the Washington Monument, and all the scaffolding is offered. It's bright and clean and beautiful and white, and there's powerful spotlights shining on it. I got a big lump in my throat as I, as I thought about that man, thought about George Washington. What a contrast between him and the people in power just a few hundred yards away from where that Washington's monument stands. And that got me a lump in my throat last night. Um, and uh, uh, guest Tori writes, I also used to get an email alert on the show. No longer receiving one. It's not your fault. It's nothing. It's not your computer or your email. Uh, it's my fault. I uh, have, I, I basically don't have anyone helping me sending them out right now. So, uh, Okay. These are all the many things that I've got to repair in my organization, and over the next month, these are things we're working on, which also includes the blinking podcasts, which are frustrating me so much because we've got the audio, we've got people who want to hear it, and it's just bugging me. But um, uh, Yaakov says, I love the EM photo of my rabbi grooving head under headphones. Now, what does EM stand for? What does EM stand for? I love the EM photo. Of my rabbi, what is EM? EM. What photo would you be talking about? Yaakov, I simply don't know which photo you are talking about. But I do groove under my headphones anyways. But I uh, I wonder what EM stands for. I love the EM photo of my rabbi. Okay, fine, whatever. All righty. And uh, we're going to go to a quick break now. Uh, Producer Rebel's got uh, uh, some music queued up. And... Um, why don't you use the break to go to my website, youneedarabbi.com, okay? Go to the website, youneedarabbi.com, and read up about this brand new DVD carrying four new re uh, television shows that my wife and I do. Uh, so go to the website, youneedarabbi.com. You can read about the material, about the new thing right there on the homepage. Quick break. Your rabbi shall return. Don't go anywhere. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain Too much love drives a man insane You broke my will, but what a thrill Getting a nitsky wreck, it's just quitting balls of fire I let the love hold, I thought it was funny You came along and you blew me, honey I changed my mind, took a smile Goodness gracious, you're quitting balls of fire
Reed, Jerry Lee Lewis can blow Chuck Berry right off of that stage. Why do I have to go on before him? Because he's had six number one hits and you've had only two in the top ten. Well, who's got the number one record right now? You. My point exactly. He should go on before me. Can't. It's in his contract that he closes the show. Okay, Cat. What's the way you want? That's um, high energy, isn't it? Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, really great high energy music. Wonderful. Um, okay, so let's, let's move on. Uh, the topic again, why Europe or what we think of as Western civilization so dramatically outperforms the rest of the world. Why it is that uh, people vote with their feet. People are, tr- are drowning in leaky little boats desperately trying to get from Africa to Italy. And by the way, Italy is, <laughs> you know, Italy is not exactly the uh, the great white shining hope of Europe, but it's a whole lot better than anywhere in Africa. And uh, nobody, but no, are there no Europeans who are willing to risk dangerous ocean voyages to try and get to Africa? <laughs> not a single one. Nobody overloading rickety old boats trying to arrive in India or Pakistan or Biafra, Somalia. How about Kenya? Anyone trying to get into Kenya? And that's, you know, that's one of the better, more hopeful spots in Africa. No, 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 no interest whatsoever. Got to be a reason for it, friends. And that's what I've been talking about tonight. So um, I've, I've discussed the ways in which uh, Europe outperforms and some of the underlying reasons I spoke about uh, property rights. I I spoke about banking. Um, I spoke about uh, science. Let's talk about Joseph Daniel Unwin, great anthropologist of the early 
20th century, first half of the century, speaks about one of the absolutely vital prerequisites for civilization is monogamous marriage. Well, yeah, look, one of the biggest shocks that hit the world when the Bible was brought down from Mount Sinai were uh, two chapters in Leviticus, 1820 in that area, uh, with long lists of all the people that all the women you can't sleep with. This was a very big shock, and ancient Jewish wisdom says that uh, the men of the, among the Israelites literally mourned for 24 hours at what this was going to do to their sex lives. This was a major change because men are hardwired by nature to want to have relations with, with as many women as possible. Of, of every different possible type. Yes, that's that's what we're created to do. But I, I must remind you of a, a wonderful movie called African Queen, based on a book. And the best line in African Queen um, in the movie doesn't even appear in the book. The, the screenwriters put it in the movie. Great movie. Humphrey Bogart plays a, a drunken riverboat operator in Africa. And Catherine Hepburn plays a Christian missionary. And, uh, and uh, for reasons that have to do with the plot as it develops in the story, the, uh, Catherine Hepburn has to take um, Humphrey Bogart's boat down the river. Humphrey Bogart is drunk, and he's constantly drunk, and he's constantly drinking. And uh, she's constantly remonstrating with him and, uh, and trying to get him to stop. And he says, you know, lady, just leave me alone. It's my nature to be drunk. And at that point, here comes the best line in the movie. Catherine Hepburn raises herself to her full height, and she looks down at him lying in a stupor in the bottom of the boat. And she says, he had just said, uh, it's my nature to be drunk. She said, nature Mr. Nutley, is exactly what we were put into this world to rise above. Okay, that's a really important thing. It is indeed the nature of men to want to have sex all the time with as many different women as possible. Along came the Bible, and it had this shattering piece of information, which is you, first of all, can no longer have sex with someone else's wife, you cannot have sex with your own wife's sister. You can't have sex with your sister. You can't have sex. I mean, my goodness, the list goes on and on and on, including, by the way, one of the biggest shockers of all, which is you can't have sex with another man. And to the world of 3,000 years ago, this was a shock. Uh, it was roundly ignored by most of the world. The Israelites accepted it and changed their lifestyle. Hence, from this emerged civilization. That's where it came from. It's a very important point. If you cannot do something about male sexuality, if you cannot redirect it into a monogamous marriage where a man is dedicated to one woman and his wife, the one woman is dedicated to him and to their children, if you cannot do that, you stand zero chance of building a civilization. And that is the incredible insight of, jo of uh, Joseph Daniel Unwin. Civilization goes hand in hand with controlling male sexuality by marriage. It's amazing. 
absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And that's what brought civilization into the world. And so, not surprisingly, the, the condition we speak of as monogamous marriage uh, didn't exist in Africa, didn't exist in Asia, didn't exist among the, in the Arab world. It only was found in Christian Europe <laughs> because they followed the Bible. God bless them. That's all it is. And naturally, civilization thrived under those circumstances. It's as simple as that. Not surprisingly, in those less attractive corners of America, uh, for instance, places like where Baltimore recently celebrated its street celebrations, um, marriage is almost extinct. Not surprisingly, so is civilization. Do you see how the two go together? They really do. They really do. And, uh, and so that gave us one more insight into why it is that civilization flourished disproportionately in what we think of as the West. Once again, it was the role of the Bible. Now, as I said earlier, and for the benefit of, of people who may not have been concentrating back then, uh, we today live in the first epoch in human history, 2,000 years of it anyway, 3,000 years, I'd say 2,000 to be sure. In the last 2,000 years, we now live in the only period where people who pride themselves on being knowledgeable and educated and sophisticated and society leaders are utterly ignorant of the Bible. This never happened before. Never happened. People knew the Bible. You don't think Winston Churchill knew the Bible? Just look at his writings. This is the first time that we have a place called America filled with individuals who are widely admired, whether they are political leaders or rich people or celebrities or entertainers. And these people are admired and their opinions are asked and they are clueless about the Bible, absolutely clueless. And so it's very easy to grow up in America of today and assume that the Bible has always been as irrelevant as it is for so many people in the country today. But it wasn't like that. It used to be enormously influential. It used to shape not only people and families, but it shaped entire cultures, entire civilizations, as it did for all of Europe. And then eventually for the United States of America and for the places that grew out of those areas. Now, uh, I'm not saying that all the folks who set up Australia were, were Bible-believing, uh, saintly Christians. I say that about the people who set up America, but not the people who set up Australia. So how does it work there? Well, very simply this. Um, you know, let me, let me give you an example. Um, in the early days of automobiles, and I'm, I'm not, you know, not going back quite as far as uh, Henry Ford's Model T, but in, in the earlier days, and certainly if you think back to the 1950s, uh, you know, you, you, you may not know this from personal experience, but um, people kind of knew something about cars. Now, you had to, you see. Today, you don't. But in those days, you used to have to know something about cars. And... Uh, and so you people would change their oil, people would change their spark plugs. You didn't necessarily take everything into the garage. Lots of home mechanics 
you know, guys who went to work Monday through Friday on Saturday would open the hood of their car and take out the spark plugs and clean them and put them back and they'd disassemble the carburetor. You remember things called carburetors? Don't have them anymore. Fuel injection today. But uh, people used to know something about cars. And so um, they didn't need to look at the manual. They knew when to change the oil. You know, because they were working on their car. They could see if the oil was clean or dirty. They changed the oil. They didn't. They knew these things from intimate connection. Time has gone by, and people today do not know much about cars. But what has been retained are the active principles. Change your oil every 10,000 miles or whatever your car recommendation is. So I may not know anything about how my car works, but I do remember the rules, that's how places like Australia got set up. The people who moved to Australia, they didn't know the principles. They didn't know the Bible. They didn't know the connection between the Bible and how things work out. No, but they grew up in a United Kingdom, in a Great Britain, where these things were practiced. And so all they did was continue them in their new lands that they settled, whether it was Australia or New Zealand or wherever else it was. That's all that happened there. And that's why it is that, uh, that once the principles are understood by one generation of people and the, uh, the actions you need to take in accordance with those principles in order to protect whatever it is that you wish to preserve, then naturally those things get uh, communicated. You know, doctors are like that as well, right? Doctors know about uh, what the human body needs, what is healthy, what is not healthy. Most of us don't have that kind of in-depth knowledge, but We've been around the medical profession long enough. We've read articles. We've read books. We've spoken to our family doctor. So we kind of know what you're supposed to do without knowing the underlying principles. The folks who settled New Ze- uh, Australia, New Zealand, for instance, no, they, you know, they, they, they were not Bible scholars. They didn't know these principles the way that American early Americans did. But it didn't matter. They still were able to produce a society that was way more successful than the native Aboriginal society they found uh, ahead of them in Australia, and uh, and that's really what uh, what it is that we're we're talking about. What it is that um, what I'm trying to explain here. That is that is the idea. I'm I'm hoping that that does make um, some degree of sense for you. I I, I really am. Um, do I just see an indication that there's somebody who's trying to? Send me an email. I'll do. Yes, there is. Oh, my goodness. Um, And uh, uh, this is Timothy writes, Rabbi, we must give Mrs. Lappin a happy Mother's Day shout out and thank her for all her teachings and wisdom. As a matter of fact, my dear friends, uh, we can give Mrs. Lappin a shout out for something even more important than Mother's Day, which is today is our wedding anniversary. Yes, it is. And so we can give her a big shout out for sticking with me uh, these last years. Um, I'm sure that, you know, there's that old line about uh, this woman who says divorce. I, I don't believe in divorce. I'd never divorce my husband, murder him perhaps, but divorce him never. Um, I am quite sure that the temptation has been all but overwhelming, uh, for Mrs. Lappin as the years have gone by. So, uh, never mind mother's day, but thank you, Timothy. What, uh, I'll give her a big, sh- she isn't listening. Is she? Maybe she is. Um, what I'll give her a big shout out for is uh, thank you for marrying me and uh, thank you very much for sticking with me. I'm sure that um, 
that uh, there have been moments where you wondered. But uh, here's Crystal. Crystal writes, hello, Rabbi, when and why did the war between science and religion happen? They used to agree, but now it's not acceptable. Great question. Uh, Great question, Crystal. And uh, gosh, I I, I cannot get it in. I was not able to get that into tonight, but it's absolutely something I will do on a future show. Promise you. It's something I want to talk about. It's a great question because as I've been explaining, yes, the early scientists, all the great scientists were religious. What happened? What's changed? Uh, Well, part of it is, of course, that science has tried to become a religion, try to make of itself a religion, but there's much more to it than that. Great question, Crystal. Thank you very much indeed. By the way, when you folks send me emails, please tell me where about in the world you are. I just get a kick out of knowing uh, where you, wherever you might be, because um, you know I, I, I'm sort of I'm consciously aware of you listening all over the place, but I don't always know just where you are. So always love knowing. So whether it's uh, on the chat room or, uh, or or anywhere else, always tell me where you are. Um, we're getting to the end of the show. Call lines are now closed. Producer Rebel says happy anniversary. Yaakov says happy anniversary. 7th of May. May she refrain from murder. Yes, indeed. And also may she refrain from the Lorena Bobbitt School of Marital Therapy. For those of you that remember what she did to her husband. Uh, Tori writes happy anniversary. Dog writes uh, Mazel Tov. Please forgive the spelling. Uh, Replace the F with a V and you'd be dead on there, dog. Thanks. Um, Producer Rebel says ouch. Why? For what? Um, I don't know. Uh, Andy says, fabulous insight on Bible principles becoming standard practice. Oh, oh, (laughs) she said, so she clearly remembers the Lorena Bobbitt School of Marital Therapy. And uh, and that helps keep me on the straight and narrow, I can tell you that. Okay, folks, uh, as you can tell, I'm I'm reluctant to face the, the reality. I'm reluctant to sort of admit i'm in denial that we're at the end of our time together for this evening but uh so it is we really are so uh i'll uh, i'll say good night to you all um if you're listening on sunday that'll be great we will be here together live again this coming thursday night i'll be in california i'm doing some lectures in uh, the sad and thirsty state of california so next thursday night i'll be together with you same time same place and w4cy radio or on iheart radio thanks a lot everybody appreciate your participation in every possible way have a great night and a healthy and profitable week ahead god bless i want to hold your hand i want to hold your hand hi i'm rabbi daniel lappin reminding you that everyone regardless of your faith needs a rabbi And for those of you with no faith at all, well, just maybe I'm your insurance policy. Let's talk right here every Thursday evening, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio. Don't miss it.